Praise God. Wasn't Jeff's testimony outstanding? Oh, wow. As a matter of fact, we could just close out here and already have church service. And then I got to see Laura dancing around the front, home, out of the hospital, doing well, cancer-free. Can you give the Lord praise? I'm sure she'll be testifying about that. We're seeing miracles. We're seeing things happen. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today because it's really in my heart. I want to tell you desperate times cause for desperate measures. There's times when the enemy gets aggressive towards the church. It's time that the church get aggressive back. It's not a time to be cowing down. It's not a time to be backing up. It's not a time to be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear in these last days. Things look black, bleak. Things are dark. It's unbelievable what kind of movement there is around the world that is very noticeable, that is demonic. It's not just a United States thing. We always talk about our nation, our nation. Look at the globe. Look at the world. The whole world's following suit to this thing called the end times. It's happening right before our eyes. And yet we're seeing things in, in, in waves like we thought we would never see before when it comes about the aggressiveness against the church. And so we're going to talk to you a little bit about us going to overcome some mountains in our lives. In today's casual Christianity where people want to do life simple and avoid the hard things, a whole generation has lost the art of spiritual warfare within the church and it concerns me. They don't even know what spiritual warfare is and when they do see aggressive spiritual warfare, it almost scares them to death and like what kind of radical people is that? I want to tell you, it's time to get radical in spiritual warfare in the church. Come on, can I have somebody say amen with me? It's not a time to be afraid to get aggressive. If the enemy can get aggressive with you and show off, it's time that you show the power of God by getting aggressive back. It's time to stand up and fight. But the move of the church today has turned to where they want to just do life simple. No conflict, no challenges, no push or shove. Let's just simplify life. Let's do life simple. And, you know, let's have children but no responsibility. How's that worked out for you? And I, I tell you, that's the same way in the spiritual realm. The, you know, the problem is when you try to start simplifying life, you know what the first thing you cut is? It's the spiritual part. When you start trying to simplify your life, the first thing you'll do is get rid of the spiritual so you can pursue the carnal, so you can enjoy the pleasures of life, where you can enjoy your ease. And yet, I, 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 that scripture haunts me sometimes where that man in the scripture says, you know what I think I'll do? I'll I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. And then I'm going to say, oh, so take thy ease. And the Lord said, thou fool, this night, your soul is required of thee. I don't want to take, it's not a time to be at ease in Zion. Uh, let's, let's, but the, the, big, the big movement of the church is let's just sit back, enjoy life. This all sounds good and it sounds wonderful and attractive, but folks, most certainly we'd all want to gravitate to such an idea. But the truth of the matter is that's exactly what the two and a half tribes of Manasseh or the two and a half tribes of uh, uh, Israel tried to do and Manasseh, half tribe Manasseh and so on, is they said, what is, you know, they come up to the well-watered plains of Jordan. They're about to cross the Jordan River to go receive their promise that they've been waiting on forever. And all of a sudden they got to look around, hey, life ain't so bad right here. 
Let's just build our tents here. Let's just camp here. We got a lot of water. We got a lot of green pastures. Man, life's easy right here. Let's just settle. We'll just stay here. The rest of you go on over. Claim your claim your inheritance and enjoy your time, but we don't want to go over. We'll just stay right here. And a lot of the church has come to that place. They want to avoid conflict. They do not want to go over to the promise. And let me tell you, they're willing they're willing to literally abort their promise and their inheritance so they can accept something less than what God had for them. And so much of the time, that's where the people of God are at. We live in a good place. We got a good life in America. We got a good church, but good sometimes can be the enemy because the good of the, the enemy of great is good. It's, we don't want to ever settle. God's got better for you than you got right now. Where we're at now is not where God wants any of us to stay. Every single one of us in this building has got an opportunity to reach out, get more, obtain more, do more, see more, experience more, and have the time of our life in doing so, enjoying our journey. But this two and a half tribes just wanted to sit on this side of the Jordan River and say, let everybody else go over and fight and do their thing. They're ready to abort their promise. And old Josh knows, no, no, we're all going over. We're all going to fight. And when we win the battle, if you want to come back, you can. But I want to tell you something, folks. I'm not willing to throw in the town I've come to for not to get all that God has promised for me. I want more than I've ever had. Can I have any? I'm not going to get satisfied. I'm not going to get contented. I'm not going to sit back and say, hey, well, you know, I've been preaching for 35 years. And man, I, if I can just write out this to retirement for the next five years, I'll just take my ease in Zion and we'll just get up and preach. We'll have church. We'll do life simple. No, sir. I'm still ready to cast out some demons. I'm still ready to punch holes in the darkness. I'm still ready to fight the good fight of faith. I'm not here to play games. I'm here to pursue God and allow God to use me in whatever manner he wants to use me and allow the greatness of God to be in my, the greatness of God be in my future as well as it's been in my past. And my better days are not behind me. They're in front of me. Can I have an amen? Why settle? Your future ought to be greater than your past. But you know what? One of the things I want you to understand is all that life, doing, doing life simple, doing life easy, that sounds great. But war and conflict and fighting is the way of a Christian life. Did you hear that? It was David that said in Psalms 144 verse one, teach my hands to war and my fingers to battle. Jesus said in Luke 17 and one, it is inedible that offenses must come and they will come. It's gonna happen. Let me remind you that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Can I tell you, 1 Peter 5 and 8 still says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He's out to devour you. He, we, got, we got an adversary. He's real. The Bible talks about fighting the good fight of faith, laying hold of eternal life. It talks about enduring hardness as a good soldier. It talks about conflict. talks about war. It talks about spiritual warfare of the believer all throughout the scripture. That's what it's all about. It was Paul that told young Timothy, listen to this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. This charge I commit unto thee, my son Timothy, that thou might war a good warfare. Did you hear that? 
He said, the first thing I want you to know, I charge thee, O Timothy, and I pray for thee to war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, having made shipwreck. Did you hear what he said? Let me analyze that for you just a little bit. Paul said that there are people that have put warfare out of their faith, and the end result is they're shipwrecked. They, don't, they want to avoid the conflict. They want to just put their head in the sand and just act like they, they're not there. And while we're doing that, the enemy is taking over, possessing our children, brainwashing our children. Folks, I want to tell you, to get your child to where they need to be in Christ, it's a warfare, and you better be reading the Word of God to them. You better be praying over them. You better be declaring things over them. You need to be blessing them. You need to be speaking against the enemy every single day day of their life this stuff is real can I have an amen I want to talk to you today about moving mountains in your life and God knows we got a a lot of mountains to remove but the first thing that we have to do to to do in order to remove, remove mountains in our lives is we have to prepare ourselves spiritually to approach the throne of God I tell you, this is one of the most important factors uh, that I think so many times that we overlook and we take things way too much for granted. The Bible tells us in Psalm 66 and 18, it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The Bible specifically tells me that if I'm flirting around with sin, living and practicing sin, that when I go to prayer, he's not gonna hear me. Can I have an amen? Amen. The Bible tells me in St. John 9 and 31, it says, and we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man doeth his will and be a worshiper of God, him he heareth. Now, I hear people all the time want to argue with me. Oh, we, and when a sinner prays, God hears him. No, he don't. The Bible says, we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a true worshiper of God and doeth his will, him it is that he hears. And I know that the only prayer that God will hear from a sinner is the repentant prayer. And I want to tell you, we got to understand what James 5 and 16 says. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed because what is it? It's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. Psalms 34 and 15 says... The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are extended unto their cry. The Bible tells us in John 15 and 7, if there is a provision, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and then I'll heal their land. It's not how many times that we ask God or beg God. You can't earn it. You can't purchase it. It's not how many times we approach him to his throne, but it's whether or not we're prepared to approach the throne of God. And if we are prepared to approach the throne of God, then it is what determines our outcome is how much we believe when we get there. We have to have faith believing. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious sects of the day, they were known for their much praying. They fasted and they painted sorrowful faces on their faces and they'd go out and ring their little bells and they'd do their alms and pray and they'd seek the Lord and they had so many hours of prayer a day. But nowhere do you see God confirming their word or their lifestyle with signs and wonders and divers miracles like that 
out of the apostles. God did not honor their prayers. God thought it was a stench in their nost- in his nostrils. And I'm here to tell you today that if we're going to see a move of God, our hearts has got to be washed with the pure blood of Jesus Christ. We have to be clean and holy before him. Who can ascend to the holy hill? He who has a clean heart and pure hands. And I want to tell you, you and I have to come to the place that we understand that if we got a stronghold in our life, we have to repent of that and ask God to forgive us. And then we're candidates to let God hear our prayers as we pray unto him. Can I have an amen? Mark 11 and 25 and 26 again says, and uh, this is right after Jesus just gave us our text. He goes on, he says, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any that your Father which is in heaven will forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your trespasses. Willful sin that's not repented of and that we try to hide from God and even ourselves in, well, it closes the avenues of approach to the throne of, God, throne of God that Jesus has opened by his own life and his own blood. How many knows that Jesus shed his blood on Calvary that we might be able to have access to God? The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.13, you who sometimes wore for all, you're made now by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Hebrews 4 and 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find help in our time of need. But Jesus made it clear, I have made a way for you to have your prayers answered, but sin will close the avenues of approach to the throne of God. He says, if you go out here and try to pray and you've not forgiven your brother, I'm not going to forgive you and you your prayers will not be heard. He tells us also in the scripture that if we go to pray and we know that we have ought against somebody, our brother has ought against us, he said, leave your gift at the altar. Go back and make it right with your brother. Then come and pick up your gift and then God's gonna hear your prayer. The Bible even goes to force to say that if you don't let your, the sun go down on your wrath. He even says, if you're angry with your wife or if you're angry with your husband, you better get it fixed before you go to bed unless your prayers be hindered. Can I have an amen? Us being prepared to approach the throne of God is very serious. We have to be clean in the blood of the Lamb. But our text states in Mark 11 and 22, have faith in God. What a statement. Have, how many's got faith in God? Now you're making, a, you're making a big statement there because I would tell you it's impossible to have faith without being faithful. Faith and faithfulness go hand in hand. They're inseparable. Faith produces faithfulness. You only will commit to what you believe in and if you really believe in it, you'll be committed to it. Amen? Faith is a action word and it grabs a hold of what's believed upon and it causes one to act because of the action of faith is pushing him because of that which he has believed to be true. Can I have an amen? Did you know it's impossible to have faith without being faithful? And did you know you show me a man with faith and I'll show you a man that's faithful because a lack of faithfulness brings condemnation, it brings guilt, brings depression, brings anxiety, a person's unfulfilled. He knows he's not right. You know, it's not, it's, it, it's not something real spiritual that causes a pastor to know things sometimes. It's the obvious. 
I can look out and see a guy one minute, boy, he's shaking hands and he's loving people and he's just all going. And the countenance of his face represents that he is that he's believing, that he's flowing in a relationship with God. But let that same person all of a sudden begin to withdraw. Let them become isolated. Let them quit being involved. Let them push back, pull away. And you know what the Bible says? God says, I have no pleasure in the person that pulls away or draws back. Come on, somebody. And sometimes you can look out and you can see all kinds of people in trouble. They're just here. They just exist, but they're not involved. They're not faithful. They're not pursuing anything. They're not happy. They're not fulfilled. And yet, I want you to know the reason of that is is because they're losing their faith. Faith will produce faithfulness. In order to remove the mountain in our lives that we have, then we must have our faith built up to the level of the mountain that we're trying to remove. Some mountains can only go out by prayer and fasting. All mountains are not the same size And sometimes it takes more mountains to move some things than it does others. But I want to tell you, every mountain, every difficult, every hurdle, every situation you've got up that rise against you, I'm here to tell you they could become a plain just like they did in in the life of Zerubbabel. I'm here to tell you there's not one mountain that can stand in the place and balk you and ridicule you and keep you from your promise. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And it's time that we remove those mountains mountains of difficulty and become everything that God has called us to be. If you believe that, give the Lord praise in this house. All things can be overcome, but they got to be overcome by faith. Wade Cavanagh told me an old story, and I've shared it before, and it's really funny, about a preacher that had went to a new church, and the little lady come up to him and said, could you come over to my house on certain certain day on Friday night for supper, meet my husband, meet my family. He said, sure. And he said, well, she said, I want to warn you before you come over. Said, my husband is a very hard man. He's very vocal. He'll tell you what you think. And, you know, he may cuss in front of you. He may drink in front of you. He may smoke in front of you and all this. And he said, he's just a hard man. I've been trying to win him to the Lord for years. And no one's ever been able to win him to the Lord. And I've not been able to win him to the Lord. And he said, it don't matter. I'll come over anyway. And they did. First thing that man does, look at that preacher. Preacher, if you're over here to try to convert me, you might as well forget it. All them other yahoos tried it and didn't work and it ain't gonna work with you. He said, well, what is it that you got against conversion? What is it? He said, first of all, I don't believe. He said, what do you mean you don't believe? You don't believe that the word of God's the inherent word? No, I don't believe. He said, everything y'all preach, it's always about this faith business, believing in something unseen. He said, if you could show me one scripture in the word of God, that I, could, that I could see that is absolutely true without having to believe it by faith, I'll believe it all. So the preacher said, all right. And he just grabbed a hold of him, grabbed his nose and started twisting it and turning it and pulling on it and the man's fighting. Hey, what in the world are you doing, you crazy preacher? All of a sudden his nose is bleeding. He said, well, Proverbs 30 and 33 says, surely the churning of milk will bring forth butter and the twisting and the wringing of one man's nose will bring forth blood. Amen. He showed him that day that the word of God was true. Amen. 
But the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith it's impossible to please God for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence is of things not seen. Can I have an amen? Faith is not a feeling. It's not seen. It's not touching. It's believing. Paul again said, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. Matter of fact, Habakkuk 2 and 4 says, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1, 17 says, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3 and 11 says, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10, 38 says, the just shall live by faith. What do you think he's trying to get across to us? That the just has to live by faith. Can I have an Amen. Matthew 17, verse 20 through 21, we've seen that there was a man that brought his son to Jesus. And one of the writers calls him a lunatic, but Mark, I think it is, that calls him a, a uh, he had a dumb spirit, had a spirit on him. And, but he brings him to Jesus and says, would you cast, he didn't know, he said, would you heal my son? said, I took him to your disciples, but they couldn't do nothing with him. And then all of a sudden, the disciples says, yeah, why couldn't we? heal him why couldn't we cast this demon out and Jesus said unto them because of your unbelief for I say unto you if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed you shall say unto this mountain remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you how about how be it this cometh out by much prayer and fasting Romans 10 and 17 tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God you're not going to have a lot of faith if you don't stay in the word the word is a producer of faith. It's impossible to read the stories in the scripture and it not bring up faith in your life. It's impossible to read about the things that Jesus did and it not build your faith. Can I have an amen? You know what else? Jude verse 20 says, building up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. If you do not pray and if you do not get aggressively and pray in the spirit, you'll not have the faith that is needed to overcome the obstacles in your life. You have to build your faith in order to face your devil. Can I have an amen? Again, you know, uh, so many of us want to go on feelings. It's just like what Isaac did with Jacob and Esau. You know the story, how that Jacob uh, deceived Isaac and and he put hair on his arms that made it feel like Esau's arms and how he wrenched out. And he said, you have the voice of Esau. Uh, you, you have the voice of Jacob, but you feel like Esau. And he blessed the wrong son because he went on feeling instead of the word. And so many of us is going on feeling instead of the word because we're not in the word. And the word is what builds faith. Can I have an amen? The next step is that we got to do, this is where it's going to get real weird to some of you. Because some of us, this is where people draw the line. Them crazy, fanatic, Pentecostal people. Why is it that we're crazy and fanatic until the world falls apart and we're the ones who get all the recipients of the brokenhearted for us to help? Can I have an amen? The next step that we have to do is that we have to speak to our mountain. Amen? We think of prayer as only petitioning God. Petition prayer is for the things of God that you need. God, I need wisdom. I need, I need answers. I need promises met. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the things that you promised me. And you pray and you petition and you ask God for those things. 
Matthew 7 and 7 and 8 says, Ask and you shall receive, seek, you shall find, knock, and it shall be open. Everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be open. The Bible tells us in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, and we know that if he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. The Bible, James says, you have not because you ask not. Yes, there's things that we don't have because we're not praying. We're not asking God. We're not beseeching God. But petition prayer is not the prayer that moves mountains out of your life. Petition prayer is the only prayer that some people know. And yet there's supplication, there's intercessory, there's thanksgiving, a prayer of thanksgiving even that we need to be offering. But the mountain moving prayer is the commanding prayer. Some of us is asking God to remove things off of our life that he's done gave us the power to remove. Can I have an amen? Some of us is wasting time because God's sitting there saying, man, I've given them the power, but they're not exercising the power. They're not exercising the authority. They're not exercising their God-given dominion. And the reason that we're not is because we've not built, built our faith up to the level of our potential in Christ. We don't know who we are because we're lacking in our relationship. But when you know whose you are and who you are in Christ, nothing is impossible to them that believe. Can I have an amen? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I'm about to preach myself happy right here. But the mountain moving prayer is that commending prayer. Speak directly to the mountain. This is Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you, the whosoever shall say unto this mountain, you know, there's times when I do warfare sometimes in my car when I'm driving. And I pull up to the side and stop at a red light. People are looking at me and I'm over there. I bind you, you spirit of infirmity on so and so, and I command you in the name of Jesus. And they're thinking, what? And I get aggressive. Sometimes I'm bawling and squalling. Sometimes I'm red-faced, and it's just like I'm into it, man. They'll look over there, and they'll think, look, that's one radical, crazy guy. There's not even an earpiece in his ear, and he's talking to himself. I remember when Sonia Romines had her wreck, and I was in the office, and they called me, and I got in that car, and I felt the spirit of death and I mean, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you rebuke death. I got in that car and all the way down to Neelyville. I'm driving 80, 90 mile an hour to get down there. And I see you spirit of death, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You may claim a lot of people today, but you're not claiming Sonia cells. You're not gonna claim her today. I command you in the name of Jesus, you lose your old dirty grip off of her. She's a child of God and resurrection power's about to enter into that wreck area right now in the name of Jesus. I bind you mountain, I come against you. I've done that all the way down there. I get down there and say, well, they lost her. They don't know what condition she did, but they brought her back. Sonia, would you stand up, please? Woo! 
You say, what do you think? You're the only one that does. No, I think there were several people. Do it. But as a coalition of people of faith begin to rise up and say, no, sir, you're not taking her out. She's too young. She's one of ours. We come against that in the name of Jesus Christ. And I, all the way down there, I was speaking authority. I wasn't praying, oh, God, spare her. Oh, Lord. No, I was getting aggressive. I was speaking to that way off in advance like Jesus did of the centurion who was sick. And he, and he healed him from afar off. I was saying, I, I, I was saying, you old spirit of death down there in Neelyville right now, you leave that car scene. Heart, you start beating in the name of Jesus. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. You will not die, Sonia. You shall live, Sonia. Sonia, you're not going anywhere. You're going to be healed. Can I have an amen? We have lost that in the church. Amen. Where in the scripture does it say to ask anywhere? Take the authority that Christ has already given you, step out in faith, and believe the word of God. I got tickled in a prayer group that was happening down, down in the Braggadocia area in one of our churches. It's called Tyler Church of God. This happened back in the 1960s or 70s. Brother White was telling me about it and said down there they were having their regular prayer meeting the only difference is the woman that ran it for years and years and years, a real spiritual giant, she was 90-some years old, and she had an appointment or something, wasn't able to be there that morning. And uh, all the young ladies gathered in the church to pray. And they went in for prayer, and when they did, an audible voice growled at them. Everybody jumped up at the same time. Did you hear that? Yeah. Boom, out that, out that church they went. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Scared them to death. These are spiritual people. They're praying. They're young girls. All of them said, I want grandma so-and-so. I think they called. She was a color. It was either green or grandma blue or something like that. Can't remember. Said, I wonder if she's made it back home yet. She had an appointment or something. They went down there. They went in and said, well, why ain't you at prayer meeting? I was fixing to come down. Oh, man, that church is possessed. Something's wrong. They told her the story, and she said, give me my shawl. Give me my cane. She walked in that and said the first thing she done, she walked in there, went through the double doors, went down the altar. She put her cane down, took her shawl off, and said, now in the name of Jesus Christ, whom I serve, you demonic spirit that has scared these young people out of prayer, you hit the door now. And they said that literally the doors went whoop, whoop, whoop. And that old lady knew how to have prayer. We have lost the art of the authority of the believer in the church because we've lost our relationship with God and we want a mediocre church service where we come in and do life simple. We don't want any challenges. We don't want to do the hard thing. Let's just, and we don't want to be looked and viewed as radical. I want to tell you, the radical world is going to make us become more radical or we're not going to survive. We have to get radical in our faith. I'm not ashamed of what I'm preaching here today. But the first thing you got to do before you take on a demon like that is to make sure that step one is taken care of first. You better make sure that you're able to approach the throne of God with faith. 
matter of fact, there, there was um, some vagabond Jews in Acts chapter 19. They were known as the seven sons of Scythia. And they seen Paul cast out demons. I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ and come out of them. And demons came out of people. And they seen that happen and they got all excited. So they went around and started them a ministry. They went up to people that were demon possessed, laid their hands on and said, I adjure you in the name that Paul preached, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of them. Done the exact same thing that Paul done in everything. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the evil spirit spoke to them. Said, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? Just who do you think you are? And the literal Bible says that evil spirits leaped upon them, prevailed against them, and they ran out of the house naked and wounded because they were not prepared to approach the throne of God and to get down to business and to go aggressively toward the spirit world. I know a guy can get out of sync. He can, he can, he can have the gifts of, of warfare in his life, be talented in that, and not do it with discernment and with wisdom and with knowledge, and it can become chaotic. That's where someone's got to come along and try to train and teach and develop that. But don't be ashamed of being Pentecostal. First of all, we have to have step one taken care of. We have to make sure that we are, are under the blood of Jesus Christ, that we're cleansed, that we're whole. And then the second thing that we have to do is that we have to build our faith up to the level of the mountain that we're trying to cast out. Every day, the mountain in your life, it ridicules you. It mocks you. It speaks to you. It makes fun of you. And it challenges you every day. Every mountain in your life is from a spirit and it's not of God's spirit. God is a problem solver, not a problem maker, folks. God is out to help us. Mountains are from spirit demons, devils, and darkness. Some of them are just nature taking its course. I'm not saying that every little thing's a demon. Some of it is nature. Some of it is because we're living in a fallen society and we catch flus and we catch viruses and things of that nature. But I want to tell you this, the longer we let the mountain stay there, the longer and the harder it is going to be defeated. The longer the mountain stays in your life, the bigger it gets because you begin to believe in its lies and it gains momentum and it gains strength. There are people that live with strongholds their whole life. I, there's a Baptist man that I got a lot of confidence in, a great teacher, great speaker. He's on television all the time. And I really admire him. Got some great books. I've learned from him and gleaned from him. But there's one area that I don't agree with. And he got up the other day and he was talking about these kinds of things, about casting demons out and speaking to mountains and things of that nature. And he said, you know, what's happened to the, penny, uh, the world today is that they, you have a bunch of fanatic people that think that there's a, a wand that you can move and, and everything will be all right within an instance. Well, I want to tell you, he hadn't read the scripture. I'm not saying that every time that we speak, everything's going to happen immediately. I'll get into that in just a minute. But I'm here to tell you there are instantaneous miracles that take place when people know how to get aggressive in spiritual warfare. When Jesus said, hey, to the crippled man, take up your bed and walk, he took up his bed and walked. When he told the blind man, hey, see, he saw. Instantaneous miracles. 
I've seen them in my own life. I've seen them in my ministry. I could give you tons of examples of when we laid hands on people and we've seen miracles take place. Amen? We've seen God work through doctors as we prayed and believed and interceded. I want to tell you, Mike Lampkins received a miracle. Amen? But he didn't receive the miracle that Sister Gwen's sister did when she was in our church. She had a brain tumor just like that. We prayed, we rebuked, we commanded that mountain to be removed. They take her up to Barnes Hospital. They shave her head. They get her doped up for, uh, doped out for surgery. We get, give our kisses. We gave our goodbyes. Within ten minutes, the doctor's back. We thought, what in the world's went wrong? He looked at us and he's crying, wiping his tears back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We thought, and the way he's saying it, we're thinking she died. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now, now, guys, I wouldn't tell you anything. And just kept on apologizing and kept on and come on. And I mean, well, finally he said, you know, I'm here to tell you, here's the x-rays. Here's the tumor. See it right there? And he died. Yeah, yeah. Well, we went in there and we shaved the head. And before we drilled the hole, we had to make sure the tumor didn't move. We took x-rays. And it didn't show up, so we took another x-ray. Didn't show up. We'd done different angles. Didn't show up. We done to, said, we've been in there forever trying to find the tumor. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah, we see miracles. There's no mountain in your life that is too big to where you can't cast that thing down. Acts 3 and 6. You remember when it was Peter and John going to the gate called Beautiful? There's a man begging for alms and thinking, hey, I'm going to receive some alms from them. Peter walks by there and just fastens his eyes upon him and said, hey, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ. And now, rise up and walk. Grab the holy boot. And the next thing you know, the man's going into the temple, leaping and praising God. Where did Peter go up there and say, Lord, would you heal this man? God, would you? T-? No. Silver and gold I have none, but such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You rise up and you walk. He declared the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we've, we've got people that have become beggars instead of believers. We're sitting at the throne room of God begging and asking God to do things that he's already given us the ability and the power to do ourselves as believers. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He then tells them, you go heal the sick. He didn't say go pray over the sick. He said, go heal the sick. Go cast out demons. Move the mountains. You have the power. We used to sing that old song, we got the power in the name of Jesus. We got the power in the name of our Lord. Those Satan rages will not be defeated. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. There was a witch doctor in the Bahamas when we had a state overseer by the name of Brother Hart that went there way back in the 1970s. This witch doctor had cursed villages and people and churches. Man, he brought death in that place. He was of the most demonic powers that they said that you've ever seen in your life. And when they seen him coming, people ran and hid. And he was coming down the streets and they were doing building a new church of God. 
And Brother Hart said that they were there and that he come by and he started going around putting his curses on them. Brother Hart said, just think, just what do you think you're doing? And then he got his voodoo dial out. He got him a big needle. And they said literally when he would do that, people would feel the pains and people would fall out under the pressure and everybody was warning Brother Hart. And he said, I tell you this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, whatever you meant for it to happen to me, it'll happen to you. And that man went, boom, and what he did, he went, oh! And he hit the ground. He said, you want to try that again? So that man looked up at him and said, I tell you in the name of Jesus Christ, you be delivered. And right then, that witch doctor became a believer and became a preacher and went around establishing churches all over the Bahamas. Can I have an amen? Don't tell me it ain't real. I've seen it in my lifetime. I've seen it all over the place. And I'm here to tell you it's time that we as believers start taking authority. Right now, I've got a, a young granddaughter that's deaf. You know what I do? In the name of Jesus Christ, a little, little gal, you're going to hear. I speak it all the time. You say, well, it ain't happened yet. So I still believe. That's the problem. Some of us quit way too early. Some of us don't have no stamina. Some of us don't have any persistence. Faith don't quit just because the circumstances don't change. It just makes you rile up even more, wanting it even more. It tells you to hang on, be gritty. Come on, somebody. And I tell you, when I get around her, we'll be in the living room, and I'll holler at her, Juliet! She don't listen to me. I say, Juliet, I said in the name of Jesus Christ, you ears be open to hear me. I just speak to that thing all the time. You know what I'm doing? I'm wearing that thing down. My granddaughter shall hear. I take no for an answer. Well, what happens if you're going to, don't even talk like that. I'm not going to be disappointed. Come on, somebody. We got all kinds of cancer patients and different people, and I've been here this week just hammering it. Cancer cells, you shall dry up and die, but they shall live. And every, every nourishment that's feeding that tumor be cut off and that tumor dry up in the name of Jesus Christ. And I speak their names. You shall live and you shall not die. Cancer, you shall be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm gonna, if we could get everybody to believe like that, we would see more instantaneous, my faith added to your faith, and our faith added to his faith, and our three faith added to the, all of a sudden faith begins to rise, miracles begin to happen, and before long it becomes spontaneity, it just begins to flow all over the place, and it begins to happen, revival brings out, awakening breaks out, they begin to bring the wheelchairs to the church, they begin to bring the cripples and the blind, why, because there's a church that knows how to literally get into warfare and believe for the impossible to become the possible. Amen. Like the little boy that's in school, he gave an essay. The essay was on Moses taking the children of Israel across the Red Sea. And the teacher didn't like it. She wasn't a Christian. His scene was of a religious nature. So she thought she'd mock the little boy. And she said, well, you know that whole story's fabricated. And you know it didn't happen like that, don't you? He said, no, ma'am. Well, what do you mean? He said, well, it says that the waters were split and Moses took them across dry ground. He said it was only about ankle deep to knee deep water where they crossed. And he said, Whoa! She said, what are, you, what are you all excited about? 
Oh, I thought it was deep. I don't, God drowned all those people in knee deep water. He didn't believe her lies. He believed in the end result. I've seen things with my own eyes, folks. It's, it's real. And you got to get aggressive. You say, well, I speak to the mountains. I speak to the mountains. And I don't ever see anything happening. Keep building your faith. Keep believing. Keep practicing. Because faithfulness, you'll be not weary and well-doing. You'll reap if you faint not. Chuck Lambert told me a story that he found out of a Sunday school commentary of a mission that people were working on uh, way off in a foreign country and they were helped building uh, uh, buildings and putting down wells for them and things of that nature. And they said, man, with this soil the way it is, it's so dark and it's so rich and why won't it grow anything? Because that mountain right there, so that mountain, it just blocks the sun from shining in here and it don't get enough sunshine. And so that preacher got them together and read that scripture to them. Now here, here's where you think, oh no, this preacher ain't gonna say what he's about to say. And he got them people, every day they go out and speak to that mountain, that, that little, them little natives would, in their own language, in the name of Jesus, mountain, you shall be removed. They done that for I don't know how long. And then one day out of nowhere come these big machines they've never seen before. And they started tearing the top of that mountain off. And they tore it all, and they tore it all. They moved dirt, and they moved dirt. That went on for over a year, year and a half. And they kept working that mountain down, and working that mountain down, and working that mountain down. Then all of a sudden, mysteriously, those machineries left. They don't know where they went. And when they found out they had these big plans to build something there and the plans filled through, but they did take it down enough that sun rays would come through and they started producing crops in their valley. Don't tell me God can't answer a prayer. Don't tell me that God can't move mountains out of our lives. I'd like for you to stand with me, please. Oh, Lord, help me. My main concern is on the marriages of our church that are struggling, they're just existing, they're compromising, they're compromising their homes, they're allowing things they shouldn't allow. They're just tolerating the husband and the husband's just tolerating the wife. And the reason they don't leave is because they need both incomes in order to survive and money's the only thing holding them together. I'm hitting a nerve right here. I feel it in my spirit. There's women that are not leaving their husbands because they say, I can't make it without him. I need his resources, but that's the only reason. And then you got... The husband saying, man, I'd leave that old gal if I didn't have to pay all that child support. What a way to live. Then in the fuss and the fruit of all that and the condemnation and the, the pressure, 
homes are going to hell in a handbasket. The kid ain't even paid attention to because all the stuff that's dangling before mom and dad that they're fighting. And then they try to find their fulfillment outside of each other. The man begins to do whatever he wants to do. The woman does whatever she wants to do. They become more and farther and farther apart. And before the long, you have not only a mom and dad that's lost, but the whole household is lost because there's no priest in the home to walk through it and apply the blood of Jesus over the doorpost of their homes. There's no father speaking. There's no mother speaking real spiritual stuff to their children. It's all the carnal. There's no priest that's carrying the mandate upon his shoulders. For me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I know what it's like to try to raise them kids to those teenage years. It's very vulnerable. And when they wouldn't be there at night, I'd go over, I'd put my hands over the doorpost of their bedrooms and I'd say no evil spirit shall be able to enter in in the name of Jesus Christ. I'd go and I'd anoint their beds. And I'd pray over their beds and I'd pray for them to be safe and asleep. I'd go out and I'd anoint their cars when they didn't even know I was anointing their cars. And I want to tell you, there were times they were riding around with a prayer t- a issue stuck somewhere in that car they didn't know it you say does that stuff really matter you better know it matters you better you better you better you better without a shot of an out know it matters they're not perfect but all three of my children are serving the Lord today they're in church with me where have the way of spiritual warfare gone it ain't a time to get at ease in Zion. It's not a time to lose sight of heaven now because it's nearer than what we ever thought before. It's not a time to become nonchalant, set back, and pursue everything out in the secular world and the church is the last thing you pursue. You can see how people live by the way they tithe. Shows their faithfulness. Shows really where they're facing. It shows what kind of people they are. Give me your checkbook. Let me see how faithful you are in your tithing and giving. And I can determine how spiritual you are. It's that simple. Show me the record of your church attendance over the record of your, of your secular activities. And I'll show you how spiritual you are. I'm trying to bring it home to us to where we get serious because in these last days, the world needs a church that's real, that's authentic, that has the power of God in it, that has phenomenal things happen. Lord, she is totally 100% healed of cancer. Is that right? The doctor says you're no cancer. None. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. We've been battling that for a while. We're believing God for every one of you here today. You know, instead of speaking to the mountains this morning, we'll do that if somebody needs it. But I just feel like that we need to commit ourselves in a deeper way. God, forgive me. Wash me in the blood of the Lamb. Let me make some, if you got unforgiveness in your life, today's the day you go to somebody and say, I'm sorry, I've held a grudge. If you're fighting with your spouse, 
You get that under the blood of the lamb and you and your spouse get right. You're sleeping in separate beds. You're fighting all the time. You're screaming at each other. Things is a mess. You're not right with God. Because he's saying your prayers can't even be heard. They're hindered if you do that kind of stuff. There's times that me and Jenny can get so mad at each other, but the word of God governs us. And we have to bring every thought into captivity, the only being. And if we fell in it, we immediately repent over it. There's been times I've laughed. I went in and I say, I really don't want to do this. My flesh really don't want to do this. But I got to. I'm sorry. You say, well, if, if you're going to go with that kind of dude, you might as well. No, I, I'm going not because I feel it, but the word of God tells me to do it. And I'm going in there and I'm saying, I am sorry. I'm going to not do that yet. And then when I begin to put action to it, sorrowfulness hits my heart of what I've done. Can I have an amen? This is where we're living. This is where we're at. So right now, would you just come up for a little bit of altar time? I know it's Sunday morning. And just ask God to renew your faith. Renew you in the things of the Lord. Plead the blood over your life. Ask God to forgive you. I'm, I'm asking the church just to have a little bit of time of examination. Let's get to the place where we can start speaking to our mountains, be thou removed and cast to the sea. Oh, mighty God, cleanse us. Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I bind every evil spirit that comes against these people. I speak into those mountains in their lives, those mountains of difficulty, those mountains of opposition, those mountains, Father, that mock and ridicule and slander and cast doubt and put condemnation and guilt in their lives where they can't operate. I speak to the, uh, but with the authority of Jesus over these people's lives that are coming. No more, the mountains shall be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'd examine every heart and our hearts would be pure and washed by the blood of the Lamb. Cleanse us, Lord, and make us whole. Make us right. Help us to do, God, what you've called us to do in the full power of Pentecost, able to cast out demons, able to heal the sick, able to lay hands and see a, a difference. And God, even though that does not happen overnight, we just keep speaking and we just keep speaking and we just keep speaking and we just keep speaking. Father, until we see the end result, in the name of Jesus, give us courage. God, give us, give, us, give us the ability to carry on. Give us the ability to go forward in faith and endurance. Help us to fight the good fight of faith. Help us to lay hold of eternal life. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be able to minister the manifold grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit by being free in ourselves and believing that those things that we shall say and ask in faith believing shall be done in Jesus' name. And we give you the praise and we give you the honor and the glory for it. Amen.